Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. Hey, everybody. This is Emily and Amy coming at you what we believe to be our 30th episode of A Very Full Plate. And we are grateful you joined us. Um, The month of October, we've been talking about sourcing food and making decisions about Um, you know, navigating the grocery store or farmer's markets or butchers and where you're deciding to make your um, purchases from. And Amy and I are together today to talk a little bit about how we prioritize our sourcing. And we may have, each of us may have a different priority, but we'd love to share with everybody. And hopefully you'll all have some takeaways on ways that you might be able to mix it up. So Amy, I'm very, uh, very much looking forward to this discussion with you. And thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm excited too. I think this will be a cool one because, you know, we've heard from a couple of folks who are expert, who like work in the world of conscious sourcing or conscious growing. And we are not that. We're not experts. We're just two moms who think about this and who are trying to do better and don't always. And I am excited for this conversation because I, I agree with you. I think we probably do things a little bit differently too. We haven't talked about all the details ahead of time. So if nothing else, I hope it will illuminate for folks different ways of thinking about things and navigating the places that you are already buying to either keep making the same choices or make your choices a little bit differently and how we use labels and knowledge to like inform how we make those decisions. So So I would love to kick it off. Um, Do you want to start off with some of our produce options? Mm -hmm. Because I I have a kind of a specific question for you as someone who's trained in natural um, chef. Okay. Um, What is your approach to buying produce? Like, yeah, uh, because I'm curious whether... Um, like how flavor comes into play with this whole Mm. factor for you. So Mm -hmm. you tell me. Yeah. So it's funny. If we were having this conversation before kids, I would have told you like, I go to the farmer's market and I try to buy the most local seasonal things possible. And I would say it in that voice because that's how I found it before I had kids. Having kids is rough, y'all. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) Time out. I'm going to tell you something that happened this morning that everyone will relate to. This morning we woke up and it was just a normal morning for us, which basically involved screaming children before your eyes are open or the sun is up and like some laughter, some smacking, some craziness. And my husband's like, people without children just wake up. (laughs) He's like, I just can't even imagine what that would be like again. And I was like, I know, I know. I just had to interject because I think everyone could relate. (laughs) And back to produce that totally carries over into how it impacts my purchasing. So Here's like the matrix in my head for how I decide what produce I'm going to buy and where now that my reality is really super busy. So 
most of our produce buying happens on a weekly basis from Whole Foods or from Amazon Fresh, our meal or our grocery delivery service here in Seattle. And so there's always like bananas and berries and all of those things. And so whenever possible, I try to buy organic because that's what's available to me through there. And similarly to what we were saying about pre-kids is in the past, I would buy locally. So if berries weren't in season, I wouldn't buy them because they're a lot more expensive and they're shipped from far away. And there's like a lot of considerations to that. All of that being said, berries are one of the main things that my kids eat as a form of produce. And so I try to buy them organically. If they're not available, I will still buy them and just be like, okay, this is a sometimes thing, not an all the time thing. And the reason I try to buy berries organically is we alluded to this in my conversation with Shannon, just around um, the dirty dozen list. So what are some of the most contaminated types of produce? Berries, because they are delicate and because of the way that they're grown, but also because they don't have a peel that you take off before you eat it, tend to have a lot more pesticides still on them. So that's why I prioritize organic there whenever possible. But Again, since my kids love berries so much, I will sometimes buy not organic ones. That said, if I'm like summer in Seattle, then I will totally go to the farmer's market and buy them because they're way more delicious then. Like I feel better about how they were grown. The farmer's there and I'm supporting them. They taste really fantastic. And, um, And so that's kind of like my next step is if I can find it locally and I am going to be at the farmer's market, then I will purchase it there because I do think that it has more like ethically to provide in terms of like supporting farmers, but also better nutrition and better flavor than the things that I would otherwise get, even if they're organic from somewhere like Whole Foods. Um, And then the ultimate, of course, would be like growing it yourself and picking it from your yard. And that's not something I've had the chance to do lately just because of the way life has been. But we have always really loved like growing cherry tomatoes in our backyard and enjoying them straight off the vine. And I think that's like its own kind of special experience when it comes to produce. So um, I would say if I'm like looking at my list of priorities, the first is buy produce that my kids are going to eat because I want them to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. And then if I can, and it's something that I'm concerned about pesticides with in particular, I'll buy it organically. And if it's in season locally and I can get my behind along with the two little butts that follow me around, if I can get all of us to the farmer's market, then I will buy it there. And if we are somehow on our game like months ahead of time and we've been able to grow it, then obviously that would be like our first choice for knowing directly where our food comes from. How does that compare to how you purchase produce, Emily? I almost feel like I could just say ditto, you know, I, um, I mean, there's always days where I'm like totally rushed and I'm maybe not even in the right store and maybe we're traveling and I'm grocery shopping where I'm just like, well, this'll do, this'll have to do. Um, but I agreed. I think I'm really, really careful about organic specifically with the dirtier, you know, like things like strawberries, berries, um, Uh, Something I almost can never find at our regular grocery store is like an organic melon. So Mm -hmm. I always find, you know, it has a nice hard, you know, exterior and everything. But I swear I bought a cantaloupe. Of course, it's October. I bought a cantaloupe and it was like green in the inside. Like it wasn't even not just ripe, but it tasted like grass. And I was like, yeah, this is like really low for me to do this. I may as well have bought like a canned fruit, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm always like rerouting when I get off my game, but I almost always try to just shop the organic aisle and see, okay, they have like 
pears and apples and oranges and I'll buy all that to start. And then things like avocados and bananas, I'll often cheat with because they have such a hard outer shell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah, metaphorically, not a peel that you are not going to eat. Yeah. So I would basically say that we're pretty much on the same page. I, um, I did learn like you know, on when I'm on my game and I can't get organic berries, I did learn about like, you know, soaking them in like a vinegar water with mm-hmm. lemon. Also feel like it's a little bit of a, like a emotional attachment to earth at that point yeah. and, and physical health for everybody. Um, but I also, you, am you talked to- about that in your conversation with Noah. I thought he had a really nice way of talking about voting with your dollars, which is something mm-hmm. that we talk about a lot of, we talked a lot about when I was at Whole Foods as well is just like, what is the way that people are spending their money telling us? And so I like that idea of it being more than just about pesticide use and what your family is getting. And, you know, who knows? Cause there's like studies on every, which side of everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, I have little kids and I am trying to be as controlled as possible in what's being put in their bodies. And it's as simple as that for me. And I like the idea of using the dollars I'm already spending to say, this is important to me. That said, when they're like five times as much, I might make a different choice because I have a budget like everybody else, right? So this is not like some idealistic world that I live in. Like it's a constant push and pull. And that's kind of what I was trying to say with the matrix is like, it's not for me, like so black and white of like, I always do this because that's just not my reality. No, I get it. And also like, sometimes I'll just buy the frozen organic berries <laughs> to be yeah. like, well, ultimately they're getting the nutrient and at least, you know, cause I know it's off season yeah. and they're not, they're not, you know, they're cheaper frozen. So, um, that's another thing that I'll do. Um, you, you asked about like the flavor difference. And I think the cantaloupe that you were talking about is the perfect example is there's a couple of things that influence flavor and why you might buy a cantaloupe in October and be like, this is not the most delicious cantaloupe I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And one is because it was shipped from far away, right? Like yeah. they probably aren't growing cantaloupes in Massachusetts right now. And then the second piece is that because it's shipped from far away, they picked it earlier than it was ripe because otherwise it would be moldy by the time it got to you. And then there's this third layer that is like, they grew a type of cantaloupe that would last until it got to you from wherever mm-hmm. it was grown. I can't even guess where cantaloupe's being grown right now, so I'm not going to try. Um, but that all those things like influence the flavor of the food in the end and the nutrition of the food. It's hard. So I think that's why it's helpful. And I would encourage anyone listening who's like, I don't know how I decide how to buy produce to just sit down for a second. And you probably already have habits that exist for you. But I think putting it into words, like I said, which is like my first priority is to buy as much produce as I think my family will eat, Mm. whatever it looks like is a useful exercise in reminding me that my main priority is for us to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And then like the layers on top of that are like bonus points. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're putting produce in your cart, like in a large chunk of your cart is produce, um, I think you're winning. Yeah. And then it's, be- it's one of the reasons I was really nervous about delving into this topic because I think as humans, we are inclined to be like, I'm not doing it perfectly, so I won't do it. And the opposite is actually true. Like mm. do it, buy the foods that you know to be like healthy and nourishing to your body. And then once you have that down, 
start thinking about the layers that add on top of that to like take it a step further. Yeah. Yeah. And like when we were really, really tight on our budget, which we've definitely been there, um, sometimes we were just like careful not to eat so much fruit at once. If we knew we wanted to buy a certain kind, we were like, well then don't eat like a whole apple, eat half an apple that day and eat something else. Um, just getting more mindful about the way that you're eating or, you know, digesting or whatever. Um, even just noticing what kid things, how much your kid is actually eating and only putting out the amount they're going to eat and don't throw it away. So I think a big part of it for me is being careful not to waste as well. Yeah. Um, because then it's money out the window and it's, it's just a waste. Um, so it's all about like getting real with yourself and being like, what, what am I eating? What am I not eating? What am I thinking we're going to eat? But I just end up tossing it every week because that happens to me with kale all the time. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, there it goes. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, The kale that goes bad in your fridge doesn't make you any healthier. And this something that came up in my conversation with Shannon on episode 28 as well is um, this issue of food waste and what can we do to reduce it? And I would say that like, if you're at the starting point of thinking like, how can I support better support my family with healthy food and also better support the earth through the choices that I'm making, the first thing you can do is waste less food. Mm. Actually, exactly. It's something I'm trying really hard at. Um, but I'm not always good. I usually yeah. end up throwing, throwing away something every few weeks being like, Oh, I didn't use this celery or I didn't use whatever cauliflower. Yeah. I, I think we should like, we should put it in the back of our minds to do an episode on that sometime soon and have someone who's an expert at keeping mm. food waste down. Cause I'm certainly, I'm creative with my leftovers, but I'm not an expert at reducing food waste either. And I think we could explore that a lot, especially for parents who are like managing the constant flow of like what your kids will eat and what you have for leftovers and what you want to eat again. And I think my, <laughs> my tactic for that is I eat all my kids cold leftover eggs. Yeah, I'm like, well, I ate breakfast and it wasn't that great, but uh, that, that that was my way of dealing with it. <laughs> That's such a mom thing to do. I totally do the same thing. I'm like, oh, you're not going to eat that? I'll eat it. <laughs> and I ate, I ate, I ate today. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's talk about seafood. Okay. So we talked about produce and how we buy a little bit more consciously as moms, not experts. What's your approach when it comes to seafood? Do you guys eat a lot of seafood at your house? We don't eat as much as I like, and that's in part because I, I literally only buy seafood at like Whole Foods or very occasionally at our market basket because I like to buy wild caught, and sometimes it's like either only swordfish, and I don't really yeah. want that. Um, so Wait, I want to I want to stop you there because I want you to talk a little bit more about why wild caught is a priority for you for folks who might be listening and not necessarily know a lot about that. Well, I tried to buy the wild caught because then it it wasn't farm raised um, fish, and um, I know that at Whole Foods there's like sustainable farm raised, so I'm more likely to go there. But when it's kind of like you don't even know where it's coming from, yeah. Or there's certain fish I think that aren't even really a fish; they're like not even sure what it is. And so I try to be just like, I just, for me, a lot of, stop. what is it? I think they don't know what there's, it is. there's something about labeling. Yes. And, um, there's something about a tilapia fish. I, I have to look into it, but I forget what it is. Got it. Okay. Tilapia is like a really tricky fish and, and it's farmed really badly. And I I just want to interject because I, have taught like I taught a class yeah, you know. about whole food, so I have like a, a weird knowledge about seafood. the The bottom line is like farmed fish is like 
often raised in a pen, probably in the middle of a flatland, somewhere in the middle of the country. So like no access to fresh water. It's like a pool, a really big pool. And it's a pretty dirty process in most cases. And the fish are not given things they would naturally eat in the ocean. They're given things like corn and soy and Mm -hmm. basically anything they can think of to like grow these fish. And so it's not good for the fish, which makes it not great for us. And it's not good for the environment because if it's not in a pen, they can sometimes raise it in these like really delicate waters that are like a mix of ocean and forest land. And like, it's just, it's just rife with problems without going into so, so many details. And so it ends up not being great for anyone. Right has some really strict standards around their farm-raised fish, which involve like the impact on the environment and controlling to make sure that like other animals aren't harmed while they try to keep them out of the pens that the fish were in, amongst many other things. That said, they are still given food that fish wouldn't normally eat because it's like farm-raising anything else. By the way, your cows, most cows are also given things they wouldn't normally eat. And we can talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, And so, like, from a nutritional perspective, I tend to agree with you. If I am going to buy farm-raised fish, I would agree that I will go to Whole Foods because I know that their standards are higher. So I can feel, like, pretty good about the conditions that the fish were raised in and what we are getting in our food. Like, I know it was controlled for antibiotics and other things that you might not even think about being in your fish, but are there in in all likelihood if you're buying farm-raised fish. Or, like, in salmon, they haven't been injected with... Um, die <laughs> die exactly <laughs> so um it's it's an interesting point but i would agree with you that like wild caught fish while also really tricky seafood is actually one of the trickiest things to control for from like a nutritional perspective and also an environmental impact mm-hmm. perspective but they're more naturally like come from waters where they would normally live eating things they would normally eat and so their nutritional profile is better um, than farm-raised fish. So I I think that's an important point for anyone who might not be thinking about that yet. And Shannon mentioned in our episode that she likes buying the farm, or I'm sorry, the wild-caught salmon that's frozen from Costco. So that can be a really easy starting point if the price tag is scary. Okay. So I have like four things I want to say to that. One, thank you for summarizing what I didn't really know how to articulate well. Um, I... I'm careful not to make people feel like, well, like, but what am I supposed to eat then? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that, that is a problem, right? Like something we all kind of have to be honest about. Um, but um, I do feel like when in doubt, natural is best. And, and I don't mean natural, like the way they define it in the marketing world, but right. natural, like something coming from its natural habitat is the best thing to eat. Um, you could argue that a lot of habitats are not natural anymore, but that's a whole other big global discussion <laughs> bigger problem than we can cover um, here but I always just figured you know one of the things I know best about raising children is that fish oil is so important for their brains mm-hmm. and so I spend quite a bit of my kids life trying to pump them with fish oil so I do want it to be a healthy fish if fish oil is that important to your brain and your heart and your whatever then it better be quality fish oil or you're just pumping oil into your kid's body so mm-hmm. I figure it's got to be sourced well. And there's so many layers over me. One, the nutritional value for me and my family. Two, the environmental impact that's happening with the companies that are deciding to do it that way. Three, the people who are working for those companies in probably a really depressing environment. And me supporting all of that, like in every level makes me feel like crap. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're just, it, so, and, and it's not just about feeling guilty. It's about like, I want to feel really good about what I'm doing on all yeah. levels. So I don't buy fish that often because it's expensive and I'm not willing to compromise. Fish yeah. is a really hard thing for me. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And that's actually a huge thing in our house too. We don't eat a lot of fish. So the list of fish that we eat is like wild caught salmon when it's in season, we're very lucky in Seattle to have like local wild caught salmon that you can get for pretty good prices when it's in season here or just as a tree. Um, I will also buy um, like canned tuna. And when I'm buying canned tuna, it's really e- one really easy way to know if it was like responsibly caught. So beyond just being wild caught is like, it wasn't a huge net that's catching. Most people our age will remember that like dolphins were getting caught with tuna because they like would use this long net. Um, so you want something called like pole and trawl caught, which means like they catch one fish at a time with a fishing pole instead of like, or pole and trawl caught. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. So basically you want them to like be catching one fish at a time, not using like one big net. And a easy way to tell if it was done that way is to look for this blue label. I'll link to the um, certification. It's called Marine Stewardship Council. And they are really good about certifying that fish was caught in a responsible way. So like under great conditions in a responsible way. (laughs) And uh, so that's something else I look for is the MSC certification. And then the third thing, if all of this is feeling like a lot, is when in doubt to rely on small fish. So small fish are typically wild caught and don't have as many of the like difficulties that large fish have in terms of like accumulating chemicals from the ocean and those kinds of things. And so I will like make a tuna style salad out of sardines pretty regularly, canned sardines, because they have great fish oils. They haven't lived such a long life that they like have all these chemicals from the ocean they were in. And as far as I know, no one is farm raising sardines. They're kind of an unglamorous fish. So in that way, it makes it really easy to be like, I'm just going to buy these canned sardines and I'm going to make something out of it. And surprisingly, my kids will eat them and they are packed with those healthy fish oils you were talking about. So if nothing else, like anchovies, which I know aren't a hit, but like I'll put those into our food sometimes or sardines as a salad can be a really easy way to get seafood without all of the concerns around like wild caught and price and um, size and all of the things that go with it. Because I agree, it's like so tricky that we often just scrap the whole thing all together in our house. I thank you for sharing that because I do often do like the packets of the wild caught tuna or wild caught salmon as a way to do it. That's like on the cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, can you put in our show notes, some links to some brands of that sardines or anchovies or whatever? I definitely will. And I'll put some links to tuna too. There's one I really love that they sell at Costco that I buy in packs there. I think there's like six for $11 or something. And I'll share a picture of that. And also make sure I had the terminology right around how they're caught so that you can just see what you're looking for on the label for sure. So check out the show notes. It'll be at averyfullplate.com slash 30 if you're looking for them. Awesome. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, do we want to talk about meat next since it has some of the same things around farming? Yeah. And in fact, I'll tell you mine just real quick. But um, so I have been for a while actually been trying to work on our, our meats being better quality. Um, and recently, maybe in the last two or three years discovered an awesome organic butcher that, um, is in Massachusetts called Eva's organic butcher. And he 
the owner um, was a butcher at like a regular grocery store for years and years. And he was very, very sick and he kept going back to the doctors. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. So finally he kind of put it together that he thought he might have celiac or it was clear that that's something someone could have. Right. Um, and so he stopped eating wheat, but he kept eating meat and eventually realized that his cows that he was eating or chickens were eating wheat. And that wow. is where his still sickness was coming from. So he was, he was like, I, you know, I felt way better, but I was still having a lot of issues. He's like, and then I realized you are what you eat. And the cows that I was eating and the chickens and what have you are grain fed. And sometimes it's corn, but sometimes it's like a combination of grain. So long story short, he was inspired by um, his own health to start his own butcher shop he tried to start a farm, but then he realized he knew all these awesome farms and all these farmers who were doing it right. So we've been going to this butcher for a while now, and we really like supporting both local, but it's local and it's all local farms. So it's not just organic grass fed, but it's a lot of New England only um, guy, you know, farmers who are doing it the right way, in my opinion. And so that that has helped all of us quite a bit. And it helps me know where everything's coming from. I love that you guys are doing that. I must admit that like, meat sourcing is one of the things on my list to deal with, but in the absence of wanting to spend, I I always get a little bit turned off by the price tag of meat. And so in the absence of wanting to spend so much on it, we've sort of just moved away from using a lot of it. So Mm. I would say that that's like one option that everyone has available to them is like eat less meat. And and you don't have to spend a lot of money on really high quality meat if the price tag is shocking. Uh, when we are going to eat meat, like I recently just this weekend bought like a pound of ground beef that was grass fed and local at our farmer's market because I was going to make it into chili. But then I added like two cans of beans to kind of stretch it further. So I feel like that's a good example of how I spent $10 a pound on, on ground beef, but didn't make it like cost so much more than it might otherwise cost. Cause I know that that can be like a shocking part of buying really good quality meats. And for good reason, it is really hard to raise animals in a good way, a good way being like, yeah, are raised. Right. Which means they need lots of pasture and grass available to them and they need to move around and they need a lot of space. And that's a lot harder than like having them in one little space where you just give them the things that are readily available and have them eat it, right? So no knock on the price because it exists for a really good reason. But it's hard for me to feed my family it all the time because I'm trying to balance all these pieces of our food budget, right? And so like eating less has been an easy way. And then where we do use it, finding good sources where I can. And then if those aren't available, I always fall back on like picking organic sausage or something, which you know, still those animals are being given wheat and stuff. It just means that they're giving given organic versions of it. So I don't want to mislead people into thinking that that's like 100% the most natural way to raise animals, but it's something I can feel good about for my family. So like when we get turkey meat, I buy organic turkey meat and I'll buy organic sausages and that's pretty much my spectrum. I, I really try hard when it comes to meat. It's something like you that's really important to me where it comes once again for me it's about those several layers of it you know it's about the nutrition it's about I'd rather support this guy and his story you know I want to pause here because I just feel badly that like we don't have any like 
specific action steps. Like here's the right answer for you. But I, I guess that's the main takeaway that I want people to have is there's like so many layers to all of these decisions we make about food and they're not necessarily as simple as they seem on the surface where someone tries to sell you this idea that like buying organic means that everything's great or buying, um, you know, chicken with no antibiotics means that everything's great. And so if this is something that you care about, then there are a lot of layers to dig into and we'll include some of those links in the show notes. But I would also just encourage you to be curious and talk to people in your community who are closest to the food and find out what else you might consider when you make your decisions. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point, which is something that we've recently realized is that you can just eat less of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like what, like we can get into this next, if you want, like for us, we're very careful about the dairy as well. And I think there's something for me about the hormones or the, whether there's hormones or how things are happening with a cow, whether it makes sense for us to even eat it. I had a lot of questions. So for us, it wasn't, it was like, okay, you know, we're, we are pretty like brand loyal to two brands. And there are a couple others I've, do, I've dived into to yogurt and cheese um, because we know that they're ethically done. They're fed well, they're grass fed, whatever. Um, but on top of it, you, like we just don't eat yogurt much anymore. We just yeah. like eat once a week, we might have it. So then it's not like I'm buying five, you know, instead of buying two and yeah. it's the same price as buying like seven, you know? Um, and we just like divvy it up with the kids and they had their yogurt or whatever. So I just think that sometimes people forget, like you could just eat less. I mean, you need to eat enough, but I do feel like some, we could talk about this another time, but I do feel like a certain diet can make you feel hungrier at times when, you know, you only need so much. And, um, we kind of forget that like, you know, even a a family of six, sometimes we only eat one pound of meat because my sister-in-law lives with us right now. And I'm like, we don't, you know, that's not that expensive. Right, right. So I think adjusting your expectations and like your barometer can be a really important piece too. And we can definitely talk about that more in a future episode. But I think this is a perfect transition to talking about eggs and dairy, which um, is like a whole other piece. You will notice there's a theme in all of this stuff, though, which is like thinking about where it comes from, thinking about how it was raised, especially where we're talking about animal products, and then thinking about how much of it you can afford to buy given all of those considerations if you decide to really go there, right? So what what does your like consideration when it comes to dairy look like? Um, I don't like a lot of sugar in it. Mm-hmm. I also don't like a lot of, um, I don't like the question of whether the cows are given human growth hormones. Like for a while when they were little, I just stuck to Stonyfield, they're local, they... Um, never use it. And then, then we kind of moved into some like Siggy's and some of those like more Greek Icelandic yogurts because they had more high healthy fat content. I just pared it down to like, I'm only going to buy yogurt if it's these three brands because otherwise I'm not going to do it because we don't love it so much that I'm like, well, I have to buy yogurt this week. I only do it in small amounts. So it's similar to you with the meat. It's like you, you are very strict, so you don't buy it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I would say we're similar with, so we don't drink a lot of milk in our house. So my husband has recently started drinking milk after his runs. I don't know if you've heard about like milk with chocolate syrup is like the same ratios as um, sports drinks. So he's like relying on that, which is cool because it's less processed than a sports drink. Right. So we'll, for that, we'll buy like horizon organic whole milk. And I believe that that one might not be, but there's also like grass fed whole milks that you can look for. So if you are buying milk, 
looking for something that's like grass fed and organic. And so similarly with our butter, we love, 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 love the, um, oh my gosh, what's that gold package? Kerrygold. So Kerrygold's really cool because it's a cultured butter that's made with milk from grass-fed cows. You can buy it at Costco, which is fantastic. And it's kind of like a traditionally made butter. So I feel really good putting that on the kids' food to your point about healthy fats. And I know what kind of cows it came from, which is ones that were like out eating grass in a beautiful pasture. I imagine it's a beautiful pasture. (laughs) Yes, like in Scotland or Ireland. No. I same. I mean, I live off Kerrygold butter. We put it in our coffee, which is a whole other story. However, it's the only, I'm like very brand loyal to Kerrygold right now, yeah. just because if I have to buy outside it, I don't really know. And that's part of it is like, I'm just trying to be really simple because I don't yeah. want to get duped because it is a marketing thing. And I'm from more marketing background. So I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? This is natural. You don't yeah. even know. What does that even mean? You know. So one of the other things that I am like pretty passionate about is eggs <laughs> And I don't want to go into like so, so much detail about eggs because there's a lot there. But I mentioned this in one of the past episodes that I look for more than just free range eggs. And so I will give like a little bit of color on that, which is that cage free can be as simple as meaning that the chickens just weren't in cages. So it's similar conditions in a hen house in this like big football size space and all cage-free means is that they weren't in a cage while they were in there. So it doesn't impact them nutritionally. It's like a little bit kinder to the chickens. But to your point about marketing, like I feel like companies really tout that like these are cage-free eggs, which is great. It's like step one. Then there's free range, which is like they're still in a big hen house, but they have some access to outdoors. But what I learned when I was teaching this class through Whole Foods was like, that it could still be like a football sized house and there could be like a little exit to like a patio outside that like most chickens will never get to, but they're technically free range now because they had some outdoor access. Yeah. So for me, the next level and (laughs) Greg always laughs at me because I just buy the most expensive eggs I can find, which is totally sounds ludicrous and kind of snotty, but here's why. Here's my justification is that those are the pastured eggs. So pastured eggs means that the chickens are out on grass, like eating all the grass and bugs and dirt and things that chickens eat. And I promise you, you can tell a difference when you see the yolks of a pastured egg to other eggs. It's like this bright, vibrant yellow. It's so beautiful. It has a really awesome flavor. And so from both a flavor perspective, but also nutritional perspective, I feel like if I'm going to feed these things to my family, I want them to be like the best, healthiest fats that we can get. And it's actually like a really good summary to everything we've talked about. To me, that means that they've eaten the diet that's most natural to them. And the cool thing is that pastured eggs are so available now. Like you can find them at Whole Foods. Vital Farms is a good brand. Here we have Alexander Kids out this way. But you can also find them at a lot of farmer's market stands and other places. They cost like $9 a dozen. And I know that that's going to sound like a lot to people, but it's also a really good case for maybe not eating so many eggs. And also Vital Farms has a lower priced option that I'm finding for like $5.99 a dozen right now. It's just not organic. And for me, that's a good trade-off because like we use a fair amount of eggs. So I'll buy the non-organic pastured eggs, which means there might be a little bit of pesticide on the grass that the chickens are eating. But other than that, that they have like a really well-rounded diet. So that's how I decide about eggs. How about you? 
Well, we have chickens and um, we do eat their eggs and full disclosure, we feed them organic grain, but we let them go. I have started letting them go six to seven hours a day outside. They go back in the coop at the end of the day. So they do most of their eating outside now. And the grains is basically like an augmented, you know, like a, what's the word supplement to their natural eating. Um, For a while we had a hawk problem. So I almost never let them out, but now they seem to get along a lot better when I let them out more often. So we eat those, but we also don't make enough eggs for us to eat. So I Mm. still, I still buy pasture raised eggs similar Um, for the same reasons as the meat, you know? Um, And I agree like the yolk is bright yellow. It tastes delicious. Whenever I eat an egg from like a restaurant where I know it's just like diner eggs, I'm like, ugh. It's okay, but it's not, it's not the same. And you know, like nutrient by nutrient, chemically, they're made up differently. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a fact. So that being said, um, I am fully aware that like, you know, I feel a little bit like I come off as like, I, I refuse to eat anything that isn't like perfect and not true. However, this is like I've said in the past in other episodes, like this is our one battle. Like this mm, is mm-hmm. it for me. Like this is a passion that I've had for my whole life. And eating this way has resolved health problems for every single person in my family, individual, all different ones, right? Yeah. One couldn't have dairy. I had ir- irritable bowel syndrome my whole life and I no longer have it. My husband had had a, like a thyroid condition, no longer has it. My uh, middle daughter has sensory issues. He does much, much better on this diet and digestive. And my oldest had a lot of anxiety issues. She's doing much, much better on this diet. So for me, it's been like, well, this is how we keep our life together. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is my approach. So I guess I just want to sa- not sound like, well, this is what you should be doing. And you know, we eat a lot of like potato chips and snacks and we didn't really get into that, but we don't need to, but it's just, it's where we spend most of our money. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's for me, you know, and it may not be for you, but if you can come one step closer to something that makes any somebody feel better, maybe one of your kids is having an issue. Like these are just great ways to play with that. And, yeah. um, and that's my only reason to share it because it could help you in a way you never thought possible. Um, I'm so glad that you said that. Cause I think that I said it earlier, but I think that it can feel a little bit inaccessible or like these women, you know, are doing something I can't ever do. And, and maybe that's true. Like mine, I'll, I'll own it. I'm going to own it here on the podcast today that like some of mine is just food snobbiness because it's what I do. You know, it's like, I notice the flavor of things because I spend a lot of time thinking about it because that's what I make space for thinking about. But you know what I don't think about? All the other things that people are solving in their jobs, right? Like this is my job. And so I think that's an important consideration is like, I put energy into this that other people don't and probably won't ever. And rightfully so, because they have jobs where they're thinking about other really important things. And I'm so grateful for them doing that. And so, and like, Emily, you said something I've been feeling really strongly about in just life is like, try something and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't throw that away and try something else. And we talked about that in fitness month, but I think it applies in this also. If pastured eggs don't taste better to you and it doesn't really matter to you how the chickens were raised, then definitely spend your money somewhere else. 100%. This is not about like a judgment on what you have to do. It's just like, expand your mind a little and maybe hear something you haven't heard before. Agreed. And, and my, my point is like, you're listening for some reason, either you agree or you're looking for new information 
or, you know, whatever it is, you're just entertained by it, but hopefully you're comfortable enough in your own skin to be like, maybe I'm ready for a change or no, I'm happy. I'm happy this way. Or I'm whatever it is. Like we're not here to force anything on anyone, but we're telling our story that we don't have some like magical answers that we aren't sharing here today. This is a conversation because it's something that we're both just thinking about and hopefully it helps you to think about it too. Well, next week, Emily and I are going to be together again to give you a little bit of a recap on this conscious sourcing month. And then to talk about what we have coming up in November, which is something a little bit different than what we've done in the past. I'm not going to tell you what it is here today because I want you to tune in next week to episode 31. It comes out on Tuesday as always and hear about what we'll be talking about in the month of November when things are about to get totally crazy with the holidays. So it's a little bit outside the realm of food and I think it'll be a fun adventure for us to take together. Um, As always, I'm super grateful for anyone who took the time to listen. We put a plug in the other day, but I'm going to give one more plug that if you have been listening for a while and you want to help us out in getting more people to hear this podcast, the best way you can do that is by leaving us a review on iTunes. I know that's not where everyone listens, but for whatever reason, iTunes is like the most magical place for podcasts. And so if you go into iTunes, you can leave a a five-star rating, I hope. I hope that we've gotten five stars, but whatever your rating is, leave your rating. But the most important piece is that you write a little comment, even if it's just one sentence, those get like extra weight in the iTunes algorithm. And that would be super helpful to us as we continue to bring you new experts and access to new information to join us in this journey of thinking about how we feed our families a little bit differently. Thank you for listening.